Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Okay, great to have you with us on the show. Time now for our play-by-play call today. Our old friend Tom Hamilton, Francesco Lindor, Grand Slam. The Indians beat the Rangers. The 1-1 delivery. A swing and a drive to deep right. Away, back, and gone. A grand slam down the right field line by Lindor. And the Indians have scored five in the ninth. And the Indians have climbed all over the Texas Rangers. Now that's a call. I was watching the, the Red Sox Pirates game last night. And Jamison Tyone really pitched a marvelous game for the Pirates last night. Well, Chris Sale also pitched a marvelous game last night for the Red Sox. Now, I'm watching the Pirate broadcast last night because that's all I had. And, you know, they're going on and on and on about Tyone. And I get it because, look, you're trying to get people excited about your club. Completely get that. You are trying to, again, get people excited about your club. So I don't blame them for getting excited about an outstanding performance by really a guy that has potential to be an outstanding young pitcher in Jamison Tyone. Imagine the Pirate fan surprise waking up today. And what were they talking about about last night's game? How great Chris Sale was last night. They didn't talk about how he did last night because, again... Sale was a major off-season acquisition by the Red Sox, and they talked about that. And that's uh, you know, and that's the way it is. But both guys pitched great last night. Well, Bill Simmons, now of HBO, went off on a rant on two different topics on his podcast, and. One of them was baseball announcers. And he said, quote, this is Bill Simmons. So why can't we fix baseball announcing? How is it so awful every year? I just don't understand it, especially the local baseball announcers. It's just the tone of everything. Everything's wrong, all of it. And I would change all of it. Everything is about having, everything about just having people. You know, see, they see the batter. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I remember his grandfather. Ah, what a third baseman he was. And I remember in 1978, I was there. (laughs) And, right, John, I mean, he's not exactly completely inaccurate about this, is he? I wouldn't think so, no. Um, Now, a lot of the TV guys that do baseball and so forth, I mean, Tommy McCarthy does a really good job. But... This is this is a sidebar to this, but you know what? One of the major problems 
those who hire for baseball teams, and I don't mean just the majors. I'm talking about you know, minor league baseball, double, triple A, you're trying to work your way up the ladder. You know one of the problems that clubs are having right now? That is listening to all the flash drives or the CDs. And one by one, they all try to sound like Vin Scully. I was reading an article about this. That's why I'm... That's why I mentioned that. It's not me making that commentary because I haven't hired anybody to do baseball. And that's that's the part that, first of all, it is a complete compliment to emulate one of the truly great broadcasters of all time. His storytelling ability, big game call ability, you know, Vince Scully in his career had it all. But at some point, you have to be you. And an area where that everybody needs to have, beyond the, the you know, maybe he makes the, the crack about the, about the, you know, I remember his grandfather who's the third baseman back in 1978. I was there, which, of course, you know, he's making a joke out of it. But I'll give you an example, and the the pirates have been have been guilty of this, and I mentioned this before more often than not. Over the last, especially when they weren't playing well, when they weren't playing well, it's been a little bit better now. They've gotten to be better, but more often than not, a week would not go by in which a Roberto Clemente story would not be told on one of their broadcasts. At some point. You have to get today's fan excited about today's team. And that's that's the big part of that. Uh, it's okay to weave in a Clemente story if somebody goes out there and does something Clemente-esque. For example, gets out there, goes to the corner, pivots and fires a strike to third base and throws somebody out. A Clemente-esque type of play. But Clemente's now been dead for 45 years. 45 years. You would have to be in your early to mid-50s to even have a a faint recollection of him playing the game. You realize that? And that's that's what's bad. Because there have been so many stories told about him on their broadcast. And it's not as if he wasn't a, a great ball player. He was an awesome ball player. Wasn't as he was a great humanitarian. He was an awesome humanitarian, but at some point you have to talk about this team, these guys, what they can, what they can't do, what they need. You know, what about the game? They all take on their own personality. Something that has to be a separator, which is very difficult, by the way, for people who hire these positions to figure out is what kind of preparation do you put in? Preparation's one of the great separators. Let's give you Vince Scully, for example. Vince Scully used to write everything out all the time. He did so in the 60s, 70s, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and into the 90s. Well, then one day, somebody with the Dodgers, I was reading this in his biography, got him a computer. And, of course, he didn't know really how to set it up, how to use it. Well, then they set it up for him, and then they taught him how to use it. 
And then when they taught him how to use it, now it became, well, a pretty doggone good tool for him. And he'd use it to print things out. He'd use find stories, do research. could do it at his fingertips without having to, you know, he could find newspapers. And that's because he believed in the old adage and the great quote from the legendary actor Sir Lawrence Olivier. Now, again, for anybody who's young listening to this, you're saying, who was Lawrence Olivier? And Lawrence Olivier, going back to the 40s, 50s, 60s, and into the 70s, was considered to be a gold standard actor, especially in Shakespeare and in theater and in, in movies. And one time Olivier was asked, what is the key to your success, especially in the theater? And he said, you have to have the humility to prepare and the confidence to pull it off. And Vince Scully, that was always a mantra he lived by. And he lived by that. Okay, now let's fast forward to somebody who's you've just watched in your living rooms for the last three weeks and are about to see more of with the NBA playoffs, Ernie Johnson Jr. Once again, what is he known for in that his legendary preparation? Years ago, when TBS took the NBA contract, the producer wanted to make things a little bit different. And, of course, for any broadcaster on TV, one of the great tools, which is also one of the great crutches, is using a teleprompter. The producer said, look, I want this show to flow a little differently. He said, no teleprompter. Now, at first, Ernie Johnson was upset. But like any great pro, he figured out right away that once he got over that and changed his comfort level, he then has been able to do it in such a way where... <laughs> I mean, does Ernie Johnson ever make a mistake? I mean, seriously, does he make a mistake ever? No. And he makes that show flow from individual to individual, keeps all the personalities in line, makes everybody else around him better. And not only that, that if you were to look at his card, you would see mounds and mounds of notes and preparation on his cards of the games he's talking about. Printouts of Oklahoma, of Oklahoma City, San Antonio, and then handwritten notes around the players to go with the other notes that he had. And he does this hours at a time a day. He goes through every box score every day. That's preparation. And I'll give you, you know, for example, I was asked yesterday, somebody asked me, yeah, you know, I had to go to a meeting. They said, well, hey, what were you working on before you came over here anyway? And I said, Iowa. They went, Iowa? Iowa what? I said, Iowa football. Fourth game of the season. I said, you're doing it now. I said, yeah. 
In fact, I'm going to start working on Indiana tomorrow, Game 5. I ran into a Penn State fan about a week or so ago, and after you told me off-air that you finished your preparation with the pit game, he was like, he's that far ahead? And I said, <laughs> I said, we're dealing with a pro's pro here. Plus, he likes to get everything done before the Spikes baseball season starts. I mean, you have that certain window where you need to get everything done. Plus, you brought up a good point. You told me as well with the coaches caravan, this also gives you an idea to scope the competition that Penn State's going to deal with later in a year, later in the year. So, you, you know, you give something insightful to talk about. Well, when I spoke to a group last week, I was asked about Pitt. Well, it turned out that I had just finished working on Pitt that morning. So I was able to give a comprehensive look at what the Pitt football team looked like. But there's something else to it as well. There's a calmness to the preparation. And in the calmness to the preparation of it, for example, Akram, uh, Arkham uh, Wadley, the running back for Iowa, I was able to calmly go through the box scores today without the pressure of them playing the game this week of the last five games of the season to see how many 100-yard rushing games that he had. And we welcome, by the way, the audience from on News Radio 1070 WKOK. We've been on WKOK.com. Until now, the Phillies losing today to the Cincinnati Reds. We hope you enjoyed the broadcast of the Phillies here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, your hosts for Phillies baseball. We're talking about preparation and talking about Vince Scully and Ernie Johnson before the audience joined us. And this goes back to a rather snide comment that Bill Simmons had made about today's TV baseball broadcasters. Not so much radio, TV. Radio is different. There's so little dead air on radio because of a really good radio broadcaster weaving and describing and so forth as compared to a TV broadcaster with so many gaps in the broadcast. So I was talking today about now at this point, you know, I was working in Iowa. Well, I could calmly go through all the box scores down the stretch and Wadley, who had had six career 100-yard rushing games entering the Penn State game, then had four more after the Penn State game. So now I've been able to update that and put it down as 10. Been able to update calmly what their roster now looks like. What's their spring depth chart? Now, when I get to the week of the Iowa game, the final week of September, I'll be able to change things around. But I can do it in a far more calm manner. Then I'll work on Indiana. And then after that, I'll go to the next one, Northwestern. Then when I'm done with football, then I'll hit the basketball schedule. I'll start working on Montana. I'll work on Oral Roberts. I'll work on Duquesne. I'll work on George Mason. Yeah, until I get to the conference schedule. Mississippi, let's see, uh, Oklahoma State, uh, Pitt. What's the other one at the Barclays this year? Pitt, Oklahoma State. I'll have to look that up as to who the other team is at the Barclays this year. So I'll be doing that tournament, and you know, but I'm able to calmly take care of it and find all the information I need now, instead of waiting to the week of the game where okay, I've got to gather it all. Here we go. So staying ahead and being prepared. Back to Ernie Johnson and Vince Scully, they do that for a young broadcaster, and I try to emphasize this in my class as often as I can. Number one, 
be yourself. It doesn't mean, you know, I was talking about all, and for those who are just joining us now, I was talking on the Internet site on WKOK.com about one of the issues that they run into when hiring on the minor league baseball level, which, of course, is a major stepping stone to the major leagues, of course, is that they get so many CDs and flash drives where everybody's trying to sound like Vin Scully. Now, imitation's the greatest form of flattery. And there are certain ways to turn a phrase, certain ways to handle a situation that you can emulate because it is the right way to do it. But I tell them in the class, in the end, you have to be you. That has to be you out there doing it in your own way, your own style. And the great equalizer that closes the gap is that if you are more prepared than anybody else, you can handle any situation with complete ease. And during the course of a broadcast, you may only use 1% to 2% of all the material that you that you prepared. 1% to 2%, maybe. But the 1% to 2% changes every game. So that's what we were talking about, because he made that comment about baseball broadcasters, and preparation's a big part of it. It's not, you know. And you have to have a feel for it, too. You have to have a feel for the game. And I was talking the other day about officiating the national championship game. I didn't feel like those three guys had a real feel for the game. And then, of course, he went into Hubie Brown. He was talking about Hubie Brown. Simmons says, I never understood the cult of Hubie Brown, and I think now that he's so old, it's like it's a marvel that he can still do it. But, you know, he has no sense of humor. (laughs) Now I feel like I'm killing Hubie Brown, but he's just very technical. He cares about the nuts and bolts. He's bringing in stuff like, ah, that reminds me of the 70s with Bob McAdoo and Bob Kaufman, how they used to run that play. And everybody's looking at each other like, who are those people? He's no one under 35 knows who those people are. (laughs) Bill Simmons on his rant on his podcast. We'll come back with more in a moment. You've got people sitting there saying, I just joined this broadcast. Now they're taking a commercial break? Yes. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. True refreshment can come in many forms. But it can only be found in one place, the Beverage Supermarket. Brewer's Outlet in Sunbury. Along with their great selection of beer, including imports and microbrews, they have lots of water, soda, fresh roasted peanuts, and an unbelievable variety of pickles at the pickle bar. Look for great deals on wine coolers and your favorite snacks, too. Get true refreshment all in one place. The Beverage Supermarket. Brewer's Outlet in Sunbury. Great to have you with us on the show today. 1-800-795-9565 is the number. Yeah, but that's a great separator and all that. I mean, that's what you've got to, you know. First of all, you're putting in a lot of work. It's a labor of love. I mean, it's beyond that. But it's interesting where, you know, you're looking at the uh, um, at the... the uh, the comments Bill Simmons makes about it, you know, he's not kind. He's not kind to, on that stuff to begin with. Texas A and M, by the way, is the other team of the classic. By the way, that Barclays thing. Texas A and M, Oklahoma State, Pitt. So I had Oklahoma State, Pitt, and Penn State, but I couldn't remember Texas A and M. 
Um, hmm. uh, Phil Sims says he was blindsided by CBS when they hired Tony Romo. Now, the Romo thing came up quickly, though. I mean, everybody kept thinking he's going to play for this team, play for that team. I uh, spoke on Bleacher uh, on his Bleacher Report podcast on Thursday, and his son Chris revealed that CBS officials did not inform Phil Sims that they intended to remove him as Jim Nance on air partner, and said Chris was made aware of the impending Tony Romo hire by an NFL insider, and he passed the information along to his father, who was on vacation. Uh, he said his father's good. He said if there's anything that he is a little disappointed is that they didn't talk to him right away and warn him this was happening. Yeah, that's not what you do for a good, hardworking employee who's been with you 20 years and the face of your football station. From that, it probably does hurt. He says, I don't know if my dad would be happy with me saying this. He says, you can't sit there as a normal person out there and look at this and say they handle it like professionals. Phil Sims has not commented, but CBS is denying that he was blindsided. Uh, they say both Phil and his agent knew in advance of the announcement. CBS had been in regular communication with his agent prior to that. Sims has been with CBS since 1998. He, it's his option. He can remain with the network, just on a different team. Chris Sims, meanwhile, says he believes Jim Nance had some control over whether or not his father was pushed out. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Care, Brutes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Our sports bozo of the day. You watched Chris Sale pitch last night for the Red Sox. He was brilliant, as was Jamison Tyone for the Pirates. The Red Sox acquired Chris Sale from the White Sox for a phenom by the name of Yoan Mancada. Guess what Mancada likes to eat during the course of the week? He averages 200 Twinkies a week. 220 Twinkies a week. Not exactly the breakfast of champions. Not exactly strongly encouraged by Michelle Obama during her time as First Lady. (laughs) But it does remind people in Chicago of when uh, Ramirez was their shortstop. You know what he used to eat before every game? Two Krispy Kremes with mayonnaise in the middle. (laughs) Now, the guy won two silver sluggers. He made the All-Star game once. (laughs) He played eight years. But before the game, he would have two Krispy Kremes with mayonnaise in between the two. Yoan Mancata... Currently, with the White Sox, a rookie averages about 200 Twinkies a week. Now, I have to emcee the basketball banquet here tomorrow night. And Penn State basketball, Greg Miskinis is the strength and conditioning coach, which also 
ELs put together the nutrition plan for the players. And, for example, on the plane, the airline will put out a bag at each seat. I mean, these people, I mean, look, these people eat all the time, okay? Well, in the bag, there'll be a sandwich, a couple crackers, some cheese, and fruit, apple, banana, something. They used to put in a snack and some chips. Well, he pulled out the chips, and there's no more snack. No more junk food, no more chips inside the bags. Meanwhile, this kid's over here knocking down 200 Twinkies a week. <laughs> 200 Twinkies a week. I feel better about my diet already, and I thank him for his contribution to our show. I mean, if I did 200 Twinkies a week, I mean, I'd be lifting off from Carson, California, with Goodyear on my side. I mean, I have a family-sized box of Tasty Cake Butterscotch Crimpets on my kitchen table, but <laughs> that'll last me a week. Wow. How about that? Phillies lost today 7-4. to four. You heard the game here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. The uh, home opener's tomorrow, right? Yep, tomorrow afternoon, and uh, that'll be a 3.35 game time here on WKOK. So pregame will be up and running at 3 uh, tomorrow afternoon. I believe it's Vince Velasquez and Max Scherzer, your starting pitchers for the Phillies and Nets, Citizens Bank Park. Hmm. Wow. Very very interesting that they waited till now to get uh, Scherzer in the rotation for the Nets. Yeah. It's a good time to get Shearzer. <laughs> okay. I would have thought he'd have been opening day, but they ended up going to Strasburg. Yeah, it's fine. That's fine. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It doesn't really matter who the opening day starter is. No, I don't think it really matters. I guess there's some pride involved in it. Uh, let's get to the Masters here. Get everybody up to date on what's going on. Looks like uh, Willie McGirt is now the leader. Let's see. Uh, he is at three under par, playing 18. Jason Duffner is at three under par, playing 15. Charlie Hoffman's at two under par. He's the only one at two under par. Russell Henley, Kevin Chappell, Andy Sullivan, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and Phil Mickelson and Justin Rose are all at one under par, and they're all done. They all shot 71. Meanwhile, at one under par, sad as yeah. Playing 11. He's now getting to Amen Corner. Thomas Peters had it to five under par. Then the course caught up to him. He ended up even. Danny Willett, defending champ, even at playing 15. Fred Couples, a one over 73. Amazing. Ricky Fowler had it to two under, ended up one over. Shot a 73. I am trying to find Jordan Spieth here. In fact, I have not found him yet. It's not good. Let's see, Bernard Longer, one under, playing 11. 
Jason Day, two over. I see Spieth is uh, three over for the day. 74, and Spieth is uh, three over. He finished. Finished at 75. Tied for 46th. He birdie two, but most people birdie two. Uh, bogeyed five, birdie 13, bogeyed 14. Okay, a so couple other Masters, former Masters champs I see on the board at four over par. Jose Maria Olathabal. He's still on the course. He is four to go. And former Masters champ Mike Weir yeah. is four over par. Let me see here. I believe Charles Swertzel, he was a Masters runner-up a few years ago. He is oh. also at four under par. Oh. He's about he's, he's on Amen Corner right now. Okay, here is the Spieth round. Birdie two, bogeyed five. Birdie 13. Bogeyed 14. Birdied 16. You're asking, how did he end up at 75? Because on the par 5 15th, he had a nine. He had a nine. Well, I'm feeling a lot better about my game. <laughs> it's like if George Speed get a nine, I'm feeling better about my game all the time. Now, that was not the hole that he had the uh, trouble was, on last year in the final round. That was 12, wasn't it? That was 12, and he parted today. So, yeah. yeah. He must have hit the ball in the water there. There's a there's the water in front of uh, 15. He must have hit it in there. Now give him credit. He went back to 16. He, he and and he birdied 16. Uh, end of eight. Cubs lead the Cardinals six to four. Uh, Miami and Washington delayed. Minnesota has just defeated Kansas City five to three. Cincinnati beat the Phillies seven to four. Pirates and Red Sox postponed because of rain. Colorado in the bottom of the ninth inning, leading at Milwaukee two to one. White Sox lead to Detroit nine to one. Dodgers lead the Padres four two, middle of the sixth. Oakland leads the Angels four to one, top of the fourth. One of my friends over Channel Three uh, Grew up in Michigan, big Tigers fan, and he's leaving for the weekend because he wants to be at opening day at Comerica tomorrow. Ah, good for him. Good for him. Now, here's a story that would be interesting to hear debated on On the Mark. Did you see this story? This is not a sports story. Um, This is not a sports story. I don't usually go into sports stories, but you see something like this, think, well, this is uh, interesting. I guess a father's being fined by a town for pulling his daughter out of school so he could take her down to, to Disney. How about that? Wow. Different. Two hundred Twinkies a week. How about that? Is that the? I mean, that is is that the diet of champions? Imagine if this kid goes out Moncada and he has great tools. Uh, great tools. That's why the White Sox wanted him in the Chris Sale trade. If this kid goes out and hits like 315, 320, hits 20, 25 home runs, drives in 90 to 100 runs, and he's out there downing 200 Twinkies a week. 
How many kids are going to go up and go, well, if it works for Yoan Mankat, it's going to work for me? I wish we would have had that wonderful stat last summer, because I, I remember when the story broke, when uh, when Chris Sale was dealt to the Red Sox. I mean, without hesitation, you said to me, a fantastic deal. I'll take that. That would have been cool to... <laughs> yeah. The other player part of the deal, that would have been neat to throw that little 4 one in there. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know about it till today. No, I didn't either. I didn't know about it today. 200 Twinkies a week. Wow. That that that's not good. Not good. Okay, there's a report out there. Now here's one that's up your alley. Now the next open bid for the World Cup is 2026. And there's now a report that the United States, Mexico, and Canada will submit a joint bid to host the 2026 World Cup. So it would be spread out over three countries, or all three bidding for the No, they would one. do it. It would be together. They would, no, it would be all three countries would be hosting. Wow. Really cool. The report says the bid will be finalized this year. And... This is what makes it interesting. The next World Cup is in Russia in 2018, based on surveillance. I've heard that. (laughs) Just kidding. 2022, it's in Qatar. And then 26 is open. But 26 will be the first year that will feature 48 teams, which means it's going to feature... 80 games. That's why they feel the joint bid with Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. would be a fit. Well, you can put them in stadiums that are already built. You don't have to worry about, you know, dealing with new buildings that only have maybe three or four soccer matches, and then then they just sit around and don't host anything else afterwards. Right. Uh, Now, in Canada, they would have to, in the venues they would put it in, they would have to overlay grass onto field turf. It is a requirement for the Men's World Cup that it's played on grass. And that would include, hey, look, we're going to take it to Giants Stadium, for example, you know, to MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands. Right? They would lay grass over that field, which they've done before. I mean, they've done that before. But they would put trays of grass on top of the field turf and play it on grass. It's a requirement. So, I mean, that, that's that's a bid that's, what, nine years away from being a fruition? And they now feel that if that is to happen, that it would, that it would really put that bid... The U.S., Canada, and Mexico is the favorite for 2026. Uh, the United States last hosted in 1994. Mexico hosted in 1986. Because they really essentially took it from Colombia for economic reasons. All right, we'll take a break. You'd be excited about that. I could see you out there right now. Yeah, I could think of two Canadian cities. I mean, Toronto and Vancouver could host games. I mean, you got to you got to passion of soccer fans out in Seattle. They could trek up to Vancouver, and of course you already have a major major league soccer team in Toronto. 
Right, you do. And yeah. you, it was Mon- Montreal has one too, right? I believe so. Yeah. You know what was interesting, and I'll get to this after the break, is when it comes to stadiums, cities are now, voters are not as inclined to vote for them based on the last two votes. We'll talk about that in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sunrise Motors Lincoln continues to satisfy the most discerning buyer by making American luxury affordable. If you're looking for a mid-size SUV, the Lincoln MKX has to be on your list. Sunrise Motors Lincoln has the 2017 Lincoln MKX all-wheel drive starting at $38,016 after $1,000 retail premium bonus cash. Plus, well-qualified buyers can get 0% financing for 60 months with Lincoln Automotive Financial Services. You can choose from 12 MKXs in stock now. Sunbury Motors Lincoln has five 2017 Lincoln Continental in stock, ready for the test drive of your life. The 2017 Continental won the coveted 2017 AutoGuide.com Reader's Choice Luxury Car of the Year Award. Subway Motors has a 2017 Continental with an MSRP of 48315 discounted to 46315 Now is the time to see why more people are realizing they can move up to a brand new Lincoln from Subway Motors Lincoln and the North 4th Street Auto Plaza Sunbury. See, uh, over St. Louis has uh, voted down an MLS uh, stadium. Uh, that's uh, two for two on stadiums now. San Diego, no on the Chargers, and they moved to Carson. St. Louis wanted an MLS franchise. And it's going to be an $80 million facility. And they voted no on uh, on the money for it. And so their bid to get an MLS franchise has gone by the boards. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, it's going to be interesting to see if this trend continues where a populace does not want to build a stadium. And I've always said that uh, it needs to be... I've always said it needs to be in thirds. Okay? That the team should pay a third out of their own pocket one way or the other. And the reason being, it's obviously they play there. Their offices are most likely going to be there. I've always felt the league should pay a third. You know, why should the league pay a third? Well, the league should pay a third for this reason. When it comes time for them to negotiate with TV networks, well, you want to tell them, well, what markets do you have teams in? The market is very important. Plus, of course, you have to have an opponent that... Uh, on the other side of the team playing in the stadium. And then the other third should be done by the community itself because the community does benefit. There are people that are going to be hired that have to work to construct the stadium. There are people who are going to be hired to then eventually work in the stadium, maintain it. 
there are going to be part-time jobs for ushers and attendants and so forth, concessionaires. Plus, businesses normally in a district spring up around a stadium, restaurants, hotels, and so forth, all of whom bring in money but also employ people. And, of course, when people have jobs, what do they do when they get their checks? Part of the check goes to government because they're paying taxes. So... I mean, I've always felt that way. Now, that's I, you know, that's idealistic thinking. But so but they voted it down. In St. Louis. All right. Philly's home opener is scheduled for tomorrow. Tomorrow, again, not supposed to be America's most beautiful day. Uh, So we'll see how it plays out. Sean, who worked his way back, courtesy of the Easy Pass lane to be here today. Well, it's, when you're constantly on the opposite side of the law, Sean, they do catch up to you. Yeah, down 4905. <laughs> I, I kept telling you, look, I don't care if the suit thinks it's cool to do it. Don't do it. Yeah, you should have gave me the heads up when I was approaching the mid-county area heading <laughs> heading back from Philly. Oh, Sue, Sue brags about it all the time. Hey, watch this. I'll go in the easy pass lane. They'll never catch me. All I know is there's, they're claiming that the suit had his name unmasked. What does that mean? We are your home for the Philadelphia Phillies. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.